This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers To Me fan club. Every month, you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content, such as our Meet the Staff series, hear our player interviews before anyone else, and be invited to regular meetups. By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me. Brain again, and he's got it! Gavin was closing in. Oh, Gavin has scored! Abdul Osman against Brad Jones to put Liverpool out of the cup and not that to throw! Hello and welcome to It's All Cobblers to Me, the Northampton Town podcast. I'm Charles. Nice to see you back here again. And joining me this week is Danny Brothers, live from Bristol with a beard. And the return of the amazing, the wonderful. It's Nit. No, it's not. It's Chessy. Hi. Hey. Jeffy's right. back. Jeffy's back. Back again. Back missed again. You, Thanks. I missed you all too. I missed you heaps. Like, like lots, is of, that because, lots of heaps. Is that because you, have, uh, you haven't had anyone to keep the boys in check? Basically, yes. I, I needed a teacher <laughs> to you know, tell people off and, and keep them in line. Timekeeping. And you just weren't here. We're, we were quite close <laughs> to getting a supply teacher in, but. <laughs> you came back just in time how are you danny are you okay i'm all right yeah still bearded as you say still bearded. Yeah, took a risk there just in, case had, just in case i've had a shave but i was um i'm still modeling myself in key and bulger <laughs> yours is yours yours is more bushy than kian's isn't it? <laughs> there's this soundbite of the of the week <laughs> Uh, I, what I mean by that is that I think that uh, Kian shaves his a little bit closer to his jawline he, he, than you do. He takes care of it a lot more than I do, yeah, to be fair. He takes care of it. 
Oh dear. Uh, there's something to say about the football there as well, isn't there? But uh, maybe I won't, just in case. On Saturday, 1,164 Northampton Town fans were back inside Sixfields for the first time since March. And one of them was our very own Jeffy. Yay! How did it feel? Oh, it was so good. I am so delighted that we lost (laughs) 2-0. Like, it's the weirdest (laughs) feeling ever to be so joyful um, over the fact that we've lost a game of football. And I was fully prepared for us to lose. And I could not care less. I was so happy. So, yeah. And I was actually feeling... I felt very fortunate as well, actually, because um, I really had to check the do's and don'ts of the old coronavirus uh, do's and don'ts list. And yes, indeed, I was allowed to travel and go and watch. I felt very lucky, which was great. I mean, what was it like in terms of the feeling of the whole match day experience? So getting up in the morning, obviously you have quite a distance to travel to get there. So in a way, it would probably feel a bit more like how an away game would normally feel for the average Northamptonian that gets up in Semilong and basically departs for Sixfields about half an hour before kickoff. So how, how did it feel from you from the moment that you woke up on Saturday morning? It's very, it was very odd. I wasn't, uh, it, it felt a little bit like Christmas Eve as a kid because you knew you were really excited about something. And then, uh, yeah, it was just really odd. And it was odd because rituals that you forget you do because you haven't done them for nine months. Like, I always... Putting socks on. Yeah, yeah and I, know what I mean, for, for example, I take a, a snowsuit, um, <laughs> even in the summer. No, I'm joking. August, yeah. yeah, but I mean, I, I take a... I actually took a suitcase worth of warm clothes um, to, so that when I got to Sixfields, I could desi- decide which warm clothes to take. Um, but things like, you know, driving up and listening to 606 on the way home and... Like the sound, I remember I parked up and I could hear the noise already from the stadium. I was like, oh, that sounds so refreshingly wonderful. And it was just so lovely to be back and just just to get that feeling of, oh, I'm going to watch the Cobblers today. And also as well, counting down the days to it. Because for me, obviously we're season ticket holders, but we don't go as often as every home game as much as we'd love to. But, you know, mm. we'd be bankrupt if we did because it just costs so much money um, in terms of fuel for us. But it's... It's amazing just being able to have that opportunity to do it and, and count down the day. So like on Monday morning, I knew I had five days until I was going to watch football. And I was knew I was going to be exhausted. I'm absolutely shattered. And I've got to get up at five o'clock for work in the morning. But I, I couldn't care less. I'm so happy. <laughs> what was it like when you walked in? Cold. Um, no, but it, <laughs> it was great because guess who the, what the, who the first player was that I saw when I walked in? Was it Ricky? Yes. Love him. Absolutely love it. I don't know whether that's because I was spotting him because I was looking. I was like, where's Ricky Holmes? But um, yeah, it was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And it's just so lovely to to like to hear that noise and to to just see the see the lights on. And driving up, I always look for the, the lift tower on the A road as I come in. Hmm. And I know when I get to the lift tower I'm nearly there. And then when you pull up and you see six fields in all its absolute glory. It's just such a beautiful sight. I mean, for me, it's three and a half hours incoming because obviously I'm driving for Mm. hours on end, but it's just brilliant. And also as well, it's so nice because it felt so worth it because I drove up on my own because 
my father it, with impeccable timing has decided that he needs to go to work in Portugal so wasn't able to go which was crazy if you consider how long he's had to do a job in Portugal but he's mm-hmm. chosen this of all weekends um so he wasn't there so it was even weirder for me because I drove up completely on my own so that was really odd but it was lovely all the same how was it for you Danny watching at home were there pangs of jealousy a little bit, but then you just, you feel like, you know, a lot of people that go and know me, um, that Jeffy went, you knew Mike Fuller was going. I heard you know, him. Yeah, it was on the radio. Wasn't it no, 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 I was in, I heard him shouting in the ground, but I couldn't oh, find him. <laughs> I was like, that's Mike Fuller. He was on the back row of the North Stand. I couldn't find him. I, I heard him. Don't you worry, I heard him. I was yeah, like, where is he? Recognisable by sticking marching on together from the North Stand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got a little bit emotional actually when the when the teams came out and actually hearing applause, like a proper applause, like when the liquidate comes on and yeah, that was a moment. Coming out and you actually hear people. It's like like this has been so long waiting and we've had a promotion since and and all that kind of thing. I just so I just I pretty much just felt happy for everyone who was there because you can't help it but be just like really happy for the people that you know who were going and what that means to everyone because it's been a it's such a massive part to a lot of people's weeks um that they've missed out on for the last nine months um and everything else going on in, in between as well you just i couldn't feel like anything other than happy for everyone who was there as much as i really really wanted to be there myself so yeah it was it was just it's just been great all weekend actually just to see people back in the stands again everywhere isn't it? can i just say that i watched the uh, london derby north london derby before and the noise that 2,000 Spurs fans can make is incredible. It's mad, isn't it? Like, when you, you think of like 2,000 fans or 1,000 as it was at Sixfields, then you're not going to make much noise, but it did. And then you think, oh, 2,000 at a massive stadium, like I watched the Chelsea game on the weekend. And mm. and there you think, oh, it's just not going to make any noise in that big stadium, but it actually did. And it's it's mad just what a couple of thousand people can do. Um, I think, so I think it also too. shows how, how well... Some of those stadiums, especially you know, in the top tier of English football, how well they're designed in order to keep that noise in. So, the sound by echoes, doesn't it? They, they're yeah. scientifically scientifically created. The first kind of stadium that touched on that really years ago was Wembley, wasn't it? Because everyone was saying that when you're inside the ground, you can't hear it so much, but actually, it, because of the way it's designed, the noise does travel. Is that the new Wembley you're talking about? Yeah. Oh, do you know what? I thought you were going to go and talk about Nen Park for a bit. Nen Park, do you remember uh, which stand? I can't remember what the name of the stand was, but you know the one that I think was the away end? What are you Danny, talking that, about? Yeah. Nen Park, where Rushton used to play. I've barely was was team, when that was once this team, Jeffrey, there was once this team called Rushton and Diamonds. Who, uh, <laughs> I mean, I was quite and, young when that all up, fell apart. Upstarts, that's what they were. Yeah. Upstarts. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the... Um, uh, whatever I, 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 it's annoying but the, the, the biggest stand that they had was behind the goal at the basically at the far end of the stadium if you like in terms of where the road is that goes past it and it had a curved roof and it was all done designed to make the noise that came, came out of that stand travel to the other end it was like a you know it was meant as a as a way of creating an atmosphere um, but it just shows you. I mean, you look at that that standard Spurs, whatever it is. Is it called the Tottenham Stadium now or something ridiculous? It's still called White Hart I think. Is it? Yeah. Good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so th- that that stand is incredible to look at. And, and obviously, 
does a very very good job of keeping the sound in and making it sound even louder than it maybe is but going back to six fields it, it was nice because they on the radio the uh, the guys went silent to allow for you know the noise of the fans to be heard mm. and it it gave me it gave me little you know little goosebumps Hairs standing up on your back of your neck, and you sort of, you know, there was that little bit of jealousy, but at the same time, more kind of, I suppose, pride in a way. I know that sounds a bit silly. What am I proud of? But it was, I, I felt so happy for those that were able to go and that were able to experience it and get back in a football ground for the first time in what, nine, 10 months. Um, it was one of those, I mean, like my dad had to turn decided to turn down his ticket. He did get a place in the ballot, but, you know, because of age and and I think because my mum and my sister put their foot down by the uh, sound of it and said, no, you're not going until it's 100% safe, which is absolutely mm-hmm. fine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I can just imagine, you know, there's a little bit there that, that just made me sort of feel it's nice that the long road to getting back to normal has begun. Yeah. And I think that's that's what's nice. I mean, don't get me wrong. For me and you, Danny, we're probably a long time off getting back in the football ground. Um, yeah, but it's, it's just the hope, isn't it? That, yeah. that it's the hope that kills you. <laughs> yeah, well, we know that. It's the Richard hope that kills you. It was funny how um, the players came out, and Tim Oglethorpe mentioned it. I don't know how it was to you, Jeffy, but the players not really acknowledging the fans as much as you mm. thought they might do. Um whether that was Keith Cole just saying you've got to just focus on the game itself and not get in, involved in all the emotions and stuff of the day. But it, it was a bit odd, I thought. Well, from, from my point of view, I, I looked at it a slightly different way because I personally, I think they did. Mm-hmm. Um, and they especially did at the end. Um, mm-hmm. However, it's very different and it's very difficult actually because people like we all know people like Nicky Adams and Sam Hoskins will always go over towards that like metal railing stuff and there's always a load of kids in the east stand or you know bottom of the north stand or even at the bottom of the west stand that, that want autographs and photos and things. They'll, they'll go and do it and they'll happily mm-hmm. do that all the way through warm-up for a good hour before the game but you can't do that and I think mm-hmm. that's a big difference and that's something that is quite clinical about football you know, during a pandemic, mm. but you know, that element's been taken out of the equation, hasn't it? Because they physically can't get close as such. Um, so they are in a difficult position because one, they need to stay focused. And I bet it's a bit odd playing in the ground with fans after not having fans. And two, they can't, you know, go and, and, you know, shake fans hands and, and mm. whatever else, because they're just not allowed. So I think they did a very, very good job of, of keeping it measured. And actually, um, it, regardless of it, you know, irrelevant of the result and regardless of the result, if remaining focus means that they put in a better performance, then I would happily take that over them, you know, doing a lap of honour before they start, you know. Yeah. We'll save that for the end of the season when everyone's back, shall we? Yeah. We'll do that at Sunderland when we absolutely beast our way to a playoff, uh, <laughs> playoff place on the last day again, and beat Peterborough by, a, you know, 0.1 goals or something. <laughs> Wishful oh, thinking, obviously. Oh, oh, the dreams. The dreams Imagine, are alive. I reckon I would be peak life if that happened. <laughs> well, look, let's move on to the actual game, shall we? Um, first things first, congratulations to Michael Harriman for yes. racking up his fiftieth appearance appearances. That's why Neil's not here. He's he's resting after <laughs> a, all those fifty appearances in a cobbler's shirt. 
But yeah, I mean, for a player who obviously rocked up, what, just over rocked a year up. ago now? <laughs> but you know, he wasn't somebody up, that rocked up. It uh, wasn't a player that was, you know, maybe somebody that we went, oh, wow, look at that. So, and I, I think in a way, any signing that comes after the transfer window, you know, is kind of seen a little bit as being, well, you weren't that good because you weren't signed during the window. If you were that good, then surely another club would have picked you up and you wouldn't just be hanging around waiting for a club. And no offence to any of those players that do. But Michael Harriman has, has come in and has actually played a major part in the year that he's been here at the club. And, you know, it's it's really good. You know, the type of person that he is as well, by the look of it and the way that he talks to fans, he appreciates that fans do mean, you know, do make football and, and, and this, that and the other. I'm really pleased to see him get 50 appearances in, in basically what is his first sort of 12 months of being a cobbler. I think that's great, especially with the fact that, what, hardly any, hardly any games for six months. It's, it's, it's wrapped him up pretty quickly, isn't he? He has. I mean, literally, as I was saying that, I was going, how's he got 50 games in just a year mm. when we've not had much football in 2020? But, you know, maybe he's we're great, including friends. He works hard. Like, what I like about him is he works hard. Like, he comes off the pitch and, you know, he's putting a real shift in and he puts a huge amount of effort in. And I, I remember listening to... Um, a well-known pod, it's all compliments to me, saying um, <laughs> last week, Neil, I think it was Neil, said he, go, he slips under the radar a lot, but he does what he does and he does it well. And I think that's really important because mm. you don't often recognise him because he's not like your Ricky Holmes who goes and scores wonder goals, but he just does his job, goes about his business. And, you know, I really like him. He's a nice bloke. He's also quite versatile, isn't he, Danny? I mean, maybe not mm. as versatile as a certain Samuel Tobias Hoskins. But oh, we'll come on to that. <laughs> we, we will come on to that. But yeah, he can play pretty much anywhere in defence, can't he? Yeah, yeah, you can stick him in the back three, um, stick him at wing back, either side probably. And it, it, he's just, like Jesse, Jesse was saying, it's it was just going to go job. Amalgamation of Jesse I don't know what Jesse. that was. <laughs> I, I was just going to move on from that. Just, uh, <laughs> You've been away Jesse so long, we've forgotten your name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, what Jeffrey was saying, um, he does work. He's a proper Keith Curl player, isn't he? Is just like, is the epitome of what Keith Curl would want in a player? Just goes in and gives it everything for ninety minutes. He'll make a few mistakes now and again, but he's someone who you can rely on and you can you can properly call upon. And I think his big moments came in the playoffs where we properly mm-hmm. recognised him because he really, really came to the fore and stood up and, and was counted in those playoff games. He nearly sure. scored, didn't he, in that semi-final? He did, yeah. Oh, my did, gosh. Yeah. That was How dare Callum Morton steal his line? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but that goal in itself as well, like to have that desire to go and get on the end of yeah. that, was it a long ball forward, wasn't it, where he just absolutely mm. caned it down the right wing and got on the end of that ball to set up the goal. It's such a massive moment. So he And he's earned his contract. Did he get a new contract in the summer, I think? Potentially. I think so, potentially. Um, on the back of that. Um, but yeah, he's just, he's just one of those people you can just always, always rely on. So. Um, cue a known goal on Tuesday night. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that'll be it. Kiss of death. Done. Okay. Um, I, I had a massive one of them, by the way. I'm yeah, well, one. I was going to say, speaking of kiss of death, <laughs> Daniel Brothers. <laughs> My word. Do you want to talk us through it, mate? Will, what, what was it that you did? Well, uh, I went on both the WhatsApp and our Slack channel and uh, said that Sean McWilliams was really putting himself about and it's so good to have him back. And uh, I can't remember the wording exactly, but that he was he was properly getting stuck in, and 
And then Stuck about, in ego. Literally 20, <laughs> 30 seconds 20, later. Yeah, 20 seconds later. Crunch. <laughs> <laughs> Mukwaza was kung fu fighting, and that was it. <laughs> the end of that. Changed the game, didn't it, Jeffy? Well, it did. Uh, however, I still think we played well. Um with, 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 with yeah I do um, with 10 men um, but yes it absolutely did change the game and, and Ricky said it actually after the game I was listening on radio Northampton just before I lost frequency on the M40 um, and he actually said for 17 minutes they did nothing and they really didn't and we really our game plan was clear we just you know let them have the ball just made sure we dealt with it I, we, were, we were really organized and then well I mean le- guys let's just talk about this Anybody in that stadium complaining that that is not a red card, well, I'm sorry. <laughs> it was just outrageous. But I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something really controversial here, Charles. I'm going to stick up for the referee. Okay. Because... I, well, hang on a minute. Nobody's had a bash at the referee yet. Oh, they did in the West End. Don't you worry. Um, <laughs> That's novelty, I think, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but, but they were absolutely going nuts. and I and But he was like... Maybe ten meters behind Sean McWilliams, and from that angle, it would have looked horrendous. He literally leapt like a salmon with two <laughs> feet in the air and just sliced into this bloke. And you can't not give him a red because it was the intent was there. He what? He didn't intend to hurt him, I don't think, but the intent to go up with your studs it was there, and he did. He literally just launched into him both both feet up, studs up straight in there was no way that was never a red and as soon as it happened i knew it was a red i don't think he went i don't think he went in with both feet i'll be honest oh it looked like it from he from went he goes in like he's he's definitely got one foot and his studs are showing i think it is slightly high and look it's, it's a red card i'm not going to disagree with you there yeah. at all but i i do think that as ricky holmes said on the radio Four years ago, two years ago, when he was playing, yeah. that was a yellow card, and that's it. But on on the on the counter from that again, I saw it in human speed. Do you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. so did that referee. And there's no no way looking that at that just isolated on its own with no replays. There's no way you can't give a red card. I don't mm-hmm. think. I think yeah, it was just so clear. Absolutely. Yeah, and it changed it completely. No it, yeah, and then it became really scrappy because we had we had control at that point. We really did. Ha- I actually think we had control even when they were one nil up, um, and we we were working hard, and we we could have easily got something from it. But but yeah, that did change everything. I mean, there's a couple of points actually. I want to just talk about here. So the first one is based on how maybe actually the 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 bigger turning point, and this even saying that, I kind of think I'm I'm, I'm talking out my bum here. But maybe the bigger turning point was actually. Marshall just complete lack of control that gave the ball away for the first goal because mm. I actually think it was more that the first goal going in that caused us to lose the match Absolutely. than the yeah. red card because as you say Jeffy the when we were 10 men down oh, sorry that's something that I think they said on the radio as well to be honest I heard Tim Oglethorpe say we were 10 men down when we were down to 10 men we did seem pretty capable and able to soak up what Doncaster were giving to us because it wasn't like Doncaster run us ragged. No, they were absolutely atrocious. They had they, two they, shots and they scored them both. They were atrocious. They did it. They did an MK, didn't they? Danny? Yeah, we were just le- passed the ball around. Yeah, yeah it was just passing. 
um, that and that's the thing. Once they got one nil up, you knew yeah. that that was mm-hmm. that was it for the day because they knew they know how to keep the ball. They they know exactly what they're doing with it. Um, it's probably one of the worst things we could have played against with ten men. Um, and we didn't play very well. That I, I didn't think after oh, with no, ten I men. Disagree but I think with that, Danny. Yeah, I just I don't know. I don't. I don't. I think McWilliams being the player that got sent off is a massive point mm-hmm. of it. That we just got him back, and he's just come into the team. And he's pretty much cemented himself back in there, and he's proper. It's, he offers so much more than Missalou does in terms of that midfield, and I think him going, him being the one that got sent off was critical to that game. Um, and I just don't think we had enough of a flow about us to that made me think we were going to get anywhere near coming back into it at one nil. So. Um, I think you're right. I think we should commend the tackle by Kian Bolger just before the goal. I think that was, that's, mm, and yes. in general, I think he's actually growing into his role a lot more now, Bolger. Um, and I don't, I haven't got as many worries about him at all. No, it's probably Rakic was a massive point of why he was, why he was getting shown up a little bit. Um, but Doesn't do that anymore. Control. You get shown up in a spa now. <laughs> Having said that, though, Danny, I still don't think he is captain material. Having seen him on the pitch, he was nowhere near as uh, as vocal as what need, was needed. Because bearing in mind, we could hear everything, and he just doesn't command that defence well enough. I'm sorry, he needs to improve. Yeah. It's just who who it would be, wouldn't it? I, I think, if actually, in fairness, I think I think when Sheehan's in the side, yeah. That's what he does. Is he commands that back line? But, However, and you do not need to to be vocal on the pitch in terms of shouting and opening your mouth to be a leader, and that I will be the that. thing. But but there are different types of leader. You can lead by example. You can lead by having a you know a mouthy gob. Um, you, you know there are lots of different. And clearly, Keith Curl sees something in Bolger that may, warrants giving him the armband. Because otherwise he wouldn't have got the armband and another player would have it. Now, maybe you could argue that had Sheehan been here from, you know, the start of pre-season training, then he would have been captain. But go back to last season for a moment where Curl said that he had the leadership team where, okay, yes, somebody has got the armband and is the captain on the pitch. But actually, the role of captain on the pitch is just to be the person that speaks to the right. It should be the one person that is the go-between between the team and the referee. That is technically the role of the captain. Yeah, but Holmes did that more on Saturday. So uh, no, you could you can turn around. And you can say that Holmes was pushing his luck at times talking. Good, to the ref. good. I I don't care. That's good. I like that because no, I'm not saying I'm not saying that it isn't good. I'm just saying that you know the role that that isn't Holmes used doing a role of being captain. That is Holmes just basically trying to do the be the nasty, which is right, which is what we need and what we've said that we need for a while now. We need that bit of nasty, that bit of like you know, come on, ref, why you why haven't you booked him or that's you know what we're seeing week in week out has been happening to us by the opposition. That's what we need. But you can't expect a defender to always... If if a defender is running constantly to a referee, I would not be happy with that. Okay. Whereas Holmes is more in the middle of the park where the referee is. Point taken, Charles. Can I I give you this piece of evidence that I studied greatly last season? (laughs) Go on. Charlie Good did that every single game and I loved it. Yeah, that's fine. But uh, again, that's a different type of leader. 
Yeah, but he's still a defender and he would still literally launch himself at the referee and scream at him for not right. making the right call every time. I think I honestly if, don't I think, think when it was I think material. when it was down I think when it was down in the box you know down at our end he did that much more. I don't think you would have seen him running up to the referee at the other end of the pitch. You know when Harry Smith know. fouled or Vidane Oliver fouled somebody. You I know, just yes, honestly... he can shout, but again, that just comes down to well, he's just got a louder mouth. I j- I just don't think Bolger is captain material at present. I Fair really enough. hope he changes my mind, and I I'm willing him to. A bit like Vidane Oliver last year, I'm willing him to come good. I I want him to do well, but at this present moment, I don't don't believe he should have the captain's armbands because he's not strong enough. Fair enough. The other point, just to move on. Um, Sorry, this, I'm is that, No, 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 it's fine. Uh, the other point that I was going to make was that uh, Gareth had a good uh, few stats for you on Twitter, didn't he, at the weekend, Danny? Um, about expectations, I think you were talking about, in terms of when you go down to 10 men, what should be your expectation? And Gareth pointed out that our last 19 red cards, we've had six when we were winning, and we won four of those and drew two. Uh, We've had four red cards at the point where we were drawing. We've lost all four of those. And we've had nine when we were already losing and we lost all nine of those. So overall, won four and drawn two from winning positions, but lost 13 from a draw or losing position. So today was not a blip. So, I mean, those, those people that I've seen sort of turning around and saying that, you know, it was a terrible performance... And that it was a terrible result. I think, yes, okay, on paper, it doesn't look great. But they're forgetting that we've had a man sent off when we were at nil-nil. And it did change the game. Mm. Yeah, I think um, I I did enjoy that stat. That's great research as well. But um, (laughs) you've got to take every game as as a separate entity in some ways because it's who you're playing, what league you're in, what your team looks like, what their team looks like and all that kind of thing. it's just a case of Saturday that we were playing a better team. If we were playing, like, say, Rochdale, for example, I'd be a lot more annoyed because you'd expect us to still try and get something and maybe the expectation would be that we'd, that we'd go and get an equaliser or go and actually compete against it. But I just think the type of team they are, it just wasn't... We weren't able to do it. And it's it's one of those you just sort of chalk off and leave behind you, I think. And we're, gonna, yeah. we're, we're more than likely going to have quite a few of them this season, like the whole game and... Um, a couple of the home games that we've lost to better opposition that just, you've, you've just got to move on from it, I think. Yeah. Can I uh, add to the performance bit? Of course. I honestly believe um, that the formation is a bit skewed at the moment. I know it had to be because of the injuries over the weekend, but I do think that Keith would be better off starting Chuck and Rose um, with Adams and Ricky on the wings and then see what happens because that formation when they came on it seemed to be a little bit more flowing although we were we you know we'd we'd lost the game at that point but there was some kind of attack i think harry smith is is not it's just for, for whatever reason it's not working for him i mean you know he scored goals he's he's proven he's not front to, on his own yeah exactly i don't think it's working it's not it's not working it's not suiting his style and i think he's a good hold up player but i think it, i think we need to give Chuck and Rose. I mean, why Rose is not starting, I don't know. I wonder whether he needs to chuck Rose on from the beginning and see what happens. Because he actually, not, I don't think he's given that a go yet, has he? he Rose, Danny Rose has started games. Not, not like consistently back to back, though, has he? 
No, but yeah, then who does might... under Keith Curl? Let's be honest. But I think that might help. I mean, he played <laughs> Sam Hoskins at left back just simply because Sam <laughs> needed to be in the team. So this argument, I mean, that he, he should... I mean, why Sam was playing at left back, I don't know. I mean, I prefer him to Luca Rathic, but, you know. But I just, I just think he, he needs to give Danny Rose a bit of a shot because he has got something about... I mean, he nearly scored with his first touch again mm-hmm. today, uh, the mm-hmm. other day. And I just wonder whether... It's worth it because for whatever reason, this direct formation isn't quite working. And we know that Keith Curl's teams are capable of playing football. And when they do, it is beautiful. A point I saw made to you on Twitter again, Danny, over the weekend. Was... <laughs> I was quite active on Twitter on the weekend. You were... I should have just sent it off, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but, a, but a point I saw made to you, and a point that I do kind of agree with, is that we're playing with one striker at home. Is that really ambitious enough? I think from the first 15 minutes, we, and like we said, we've done all right for the first 15 minutes. We were trying to pack the midfield a lot more. And that was, I feel like that was a tactic to get in Doncaster's face and not let them play like, they, like they're trying to. Mm-hmm. I felt like we were trying to grab the ball and, and go forwards. And so no one really knew exactly where each other were playing in midfield. Like Missalut was playing quite advanced, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. He was like okay was on press- Saturday. And everybody was pressing at the same time and stuff. But, I just think the tactic was a little bit more to crowd them out in midfield and make it a bit more compact. And I think it was working until McWilliams got sent off and took a massive part of the midfield away. Um, uh, I think Harry Smith's actually done better the last few weeks. Mm. I feel like he's found his mojo a little bit more and he's, he's definitely a confidence player. And it just it was just unfortunate on Saturday that he was the one up there on his own. Um, and he can't do that. He needs people around him that are going to work off him. So mate, uh, to me personally, the, the answer would be at the moment, Smith and Rose up front. I'm yeah. not sure Chuck's quite there in terms of the starter. I think he's a good quality to, to bring on and give him that experience bit by bit. But I'm not sure he's completely ready to be that main, main target. And I, I do think Harry Smith's coming into his own a little bit. Yeah. I think, I mean, you go back to what you said about Harry Smith being a confidence player. I think you're bang on with that one piece of uh, you know sort of evidence of that I think was he had a shot from about I'd say 25 yards and it, it got blocked you know it didn't get anywhere near the goal because the defender did block it but my point is is that he tried he had an effort absolutely yeah, he so I don't that think he'd have done that six weeks ago no. yeah, <clears throat> he's a good lad I like Harry Smith he's a hard worker again like Harriman mm. hard workers but I just think maybe a switch in formation just to see if it works and that's not anything against Harry Smith or it's not anything to for Rose as such, but if we've got those players and we've got the squad, why not try it? Why not try it now before Christmas as well? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, um, quick mention as well, Arnold, Steve Arnold, back in goal. I know Great second game pen. in a roll and a good save for a penalty, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah. Can I mention as well, poor old Sam. I say it every week, poor old Sam, but... Get that on a T-shirt. He's probably, yeah, he's probably waiting in the dressing room thinking, oh, I can't wait to get out from the fans again. You know, I wonder where I'm going to be playing this week. I'm, I'm definitely in the team, I know that. But, um, <laughs> you know, where am I going to be? Just be on the front, man. Can I get my moment of glory? Right, Sam, left wing back. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> First game back up to the Bay in public. Um, and then he was at centre-back for a little bit as well. What? Amazing. He was Sam Hoskins at centre back. Literally, the only position he's not played for us yet is in goal. Oh, yeah. And Don't say as... that. <laughs> We're going to have a moment where both keepers get sent off in one game. I'll be honest, Sam I want it to be Tuesday. Oh, come on. Yeah, get him on. Exeter, get him Exeter. Do it. Do, play, 
do a Roy Hunter. Surely, though, surely, right, if that were the situation, you'd put Harry Smith on there on the basis of height? Surely. You'd think so, but Sam's the type of guy who's... Sam will just pick the gloves up, I, yeah. I reckon. Give me that, give me that, the, give me that yeah. shirt. Give me those gloves. I'm going yeah. in. <laughs> he's the type of kid in the park who's like, like he's going in goal now, and he's like, oh, so if you, if no, no, no one else wants it, I'm, I'm grabbing this and doing yeah. it, and he'll, he'll I'll do all these, the he'll do all these saves for the camera as well. He's, he's literally so, what he's doing is he's going to play out a full ten seasons at the Cobblers, so he gets a testimonial. So the first yeah. player for, for years to have got a testimonial, yeah. and then he'll play he'll on his own. Up, yeah, picking up some, picking up other sort of records along the way, such as first player to, or you know, player to have played in every position yeah. for the Cobblers over his tenure, and you know, things like that. Um, It'll most... just be like a Northampton Town eleven against the Sam Hoskins eleven, where it be <laughs> Sam Hoskins in every position, just against another team. It's like one on eleven. <laughs> It'll just be playing everywhere. Good old oh, Sam. Oh, good old Sam. Um, yes, right. We've got to move on slightly from the game. Um, the game, and it, I, I, to be honest with you, it's not this game. I think this is a, a progression of games over time. But there seemed to be quite a lot of discussion on social media after the game on Saturday night. Um, I think the easiest way to, to describe this is to say that it feels like there's currently two camps on social media. You've got one set of fans who fall into the category of the here and now and looking at it in regards to looking at the team that we've got, the players that we've got, the fact that where we are in the league and that we are picking up points and they're seeing that as being okay, um, you know, or successful, however you'd like to put it. And then you've got another set, the opposite side of that, which is basically not enjoying the performances, not enjoying the um, the Keith Curl way, not happy with where we are in the league, not happy with, you know, ever losing, which is obviously fine, but, you know, not happy with even necessarily winning some, some games or the way that we're going about winning games or playing games full stop. Um, there was quite a lot going on mainly revolving around probably James Hennigan of the Cron um, decided to basically I, I suppose just get it out of his system um, and, and just posted what a thread of three or four tweets um, giving essentially a, a verbal bit of just get it out there and lay it all down on paper quite a lot seems to be stemming from possession stats um, which I know we have mentioned a couple of times before. But obviously, this Saturday's game against Doncaster, we were down to 10 men. Um, the Cobblers had 29% of possession. This is stats. The, all of these stats, by the way, come from if you just go onto Google and look at the match reports for the games. So the Cobblers had 29% possession compared to Doncaster's 71%, which I think you'd probably expect the type of team that Doncaster are and the fact that we were down to 10 men. Um, but it's not an unusual figure this season for us to have had. So against Fleetwood, we had 27% possession. Against Burton, we had 36%. And that seems to be a bit of a trend. I'm not saying that I'm one or the other, but a few fans are clearly not happy with that. 
Danny, I know I'm going to come to you first because I know that you've got a different opinion. So <laughs> what's your thought on possession? Not only possession and, you know, the stats and what they say, but also on that argument that says it isn't good enough to only have circa 30% possession. Um, so I think the first thing is a lot to unpack in that. As I think the first thing is that it's all about opinions. Um, and especially on social media, I learned at the weekend that some people push their opinions as facts, um, which I don't like. I don't like the facts that people push their opinions and then call out individuals. It's not the way to do it, in my opinion. Um, that's that word again. I think, <laughs> um, and so, I mean, football is about opinions, isn't it? It's like everybody's going to have opinions on Keith Kell's way of football. It's either, you're either going to be in one camp or the other. You're going to be in the camp of supporting him and, you know, the results speak for themselves kind of camp. Um, or you're going to be constantly up against and whenever we lose, you're going to be bringing out stats like this. And I think these stats do, it, I don't know, it just feels like certain people are, are ready to bring out these stats as soon as we lose a game. And even when we won on Tuesday night, there was people coming out with the possession stuff. Um, it's just, I feel like it's not needed. And again, it's my opinion about the fact it's not like, you know, people will agree with me, people will disagree with me. I'm sure you know, people, I'd like people to write in with their opinions from the other side of it because I don't think we should be completely just pushing one side of the argument. I'm not sure what side um, Jeffy's on and pretty sure what side Neil's on of it. But it's it just frustrates me, the whole possession argument, because thinking of another game that's been quite well doing the rounds this weekend as well at Portsmouth when we've lost 4-0 and we had 52% of possession. You know, and we've lost the game. Um, it, it just, to me personally, possession isn't that big a thing. It, I, it just, it winds me up that it just comes out and it makes it rears its head every now and then that that we're not having as much of the ball. But no, we had what forty percent of Wembley. We won four 0 It's you can bring out any stat you want to just back up your argument, and I probably did the same thing. <laughs> but. Um, but I just I couldn't care less to be honest about possession. I, I couldn't care how if we had two percent of possession if we won the game one nil. Um, call it me being brought up on Atkins style football. I don't know, but it's to me it's all about what you do with it. And we haven't done a lot with it on Saturday. There's occasions this season when we haven't done a lot with it at all. And you can make that argument, and it is fair to to make that suggestion like the game against Oxford Oxford City that we didn't do anything with it. Mm-hmm. And when we play the way we do we have to do something with it when we've got it because we don't have the ball that much. And when we, when we do have it, we've got to be clinical with it. We have to make it count. We have to make our set pieces count like we did on Tuesday night. And when we don't, it just comes back to bite us. Um, so like to me, I personally, I couldn't care less. I can see parts of the other argument that where you want to start the ball. Ideally, we want to be playing this free flowing football. We want to be playing pass and move. We want to keep possession. We want to win every game five nil. It's not realistic to to us. If you want to see that, don't come and watch the cobblers. Is my suggestion. <laughs> so, um, it, it, ideally, we would be doing that at the moment in the position we're in, in the middle of this virus, in the middle of the everything that's going on. We've won promotion in the playoffs. We've got up a division which everybody wanted to get out of, out of League Two. We're still sitting our stall out in League One. I personally could not care less how much possession of the ball we have if we're getting enough points to stay up. If we finish 20th, great. We move on. We start planning for the next stage of it, which is then pushing ourselves a little bit further. But at the moment, literally, I've said it before, 
All I want is to stay in League One and survive as a football club this season. And if that shows a lack of ambition, then so be it. But I just that's just the way it is for me at the moment. So. Okay. Um, and I've, I've been quite like lambasted by the usual crew on, on Twitter on Saturday, and I should have just turned it off. But it just sometimes it just really winds me up that that the same old people come out time and time again and especially poor James Hennigan and he got a, like a battering off people that Tim Oglethorpe gets it for some reason um, and people just look for scapegoats and look to push their opinion as facts and it just uh, I, it just doesn't sit well with me and when you when you start doing that I feel like I have to say something because it's just not right for people to get called out like that um, and we, we, we won't name names on here because I don't think it's right to do that either um, you know, and I'll have a, I'll have decent conversations with some people who disagree with me, but it, it, I just got royally wound up. Really. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's that's my take on it, basically. Anyway, let me let me put it a different way to you, Jeffy, because you've not been on the pod for a few weeks, um, so I don't think we've necessarily had your opinion or your viewpoint on this yet. Um, do you enjoy? watching the cobblers at the moment uh oh that's a really difficult question to answer right i'm going to answer it like this i'm going to be pragmatic about it um yes on the basis that i recognize as a cobblers fan the effort that is being put in and has been put in to get us to this point now and i'm very much in of the opinion that danny is as well and i'm i'm pretty much wholeheartedly agree with everything he said um obviously i'd love to sit here and watch a chris wilder style cobbler's team but like danny just said it's not realistic for league one and it's actually less realistic for league one than it is league two because league two generally has a lot weaker teams in it we're playing in league one in a good standard league one in the middle of a global pandemic when money is particularly short and there are much bigger things going on in the world um and you know we have earned our spot in league one over three games of a playoffs well two games of a playoffs if you count if you discount the the loss and i think we need to look at it from a point of view that says actually are we achieving where we should be achieving right now on the basis of coming up from from league two then the answer to that question is yes second part of that is if like danny said you come to watch the cobblers for free flowing quality football then you have come to the wrong stadium it's not going to happen and i think people have this expectation that to earn promotions and to be a good football team you need to do that well no that's just simply not true and i strongly strongly believe that to survive in league one we need to just do what we can by any means now you know keith curl has done an excellent job in steadying this ship because let's face it we were fairly close to an uncomfortable relegation battle in league two at points in, Mm -hmm. in years and he's managed to sort that out and he's got us up to the next league now we also need to point out as well that Last time we were in League One, this is what happened. And eventually we got caught out and we got relegated. Now, everybody never really appreciated, and we've talked about this several times, you never, we never really appreciated the achievement that it was to just stay up in the first year in League One. And that's so important. I could not care less how we stay up this year. If we stay up by one goal on goal difference, 
so be it. Then, it, in my opinion, Keith Kell's done his job. Because if you if you sit here as a Cobblers fan and you think that we're going to go up... Now, let's face it, we were seventh in the, in the playoffs and really the wheels had come off before lockdown anyway. So we lucked out by getting into the playoffs. So we got to the playoffs, won the playoffs, great, we're up. Now, to expect us to go up again, back-to-back, playing free, free-flowing football, it's just not going to happen. And actually, I think it's, <laughs> it's quite harsh on Keith Curl, who I think deserves more recognition for the job that he's doing under the circumstances that he's doing it. Now, in an ideal world, we'd have probably splashed out a lot more on budget, but it's just not possible. And I think that our style of football, yes, it's particularly direct, and yes, it's it's fairly ugly at times, but really, with the exception of maybe a handful of managers at Northampton Town's disposal, would they play too differently? And I, I don't believe they would. I, I don't really they would. don't. No. They, no. I think back to, I was thinking, trying to think about when we were actually moving on to where I think people want us to get to. I don't necessarily think people are going to be expecting us to go up again. I do, but I think people are wanting us to go and challenge the top 10 and kind of be a more of a progressive side. The last time we did that and we were properly giving it and we were really on the brink of doing it was under Stuart Gray. Um, was it, it would have been 2008. Yeah. When uh, we had some young kids coming through, we had a good mix of, of players coming through and we had a perfect squad that could have just given it a real good go the next season. But again, the wheels came off as it generally tends to do with us um, with players being sold and stuff. But I just I just remember looking back to that and thinking, who was up front for us during that time? Do you remember? Stuart Gray. Stuart Gray. Um, so we, we just, so we, there's quite a, Good game, I remember. We had, I know midfield, but we had Jacobs. Let me find my mouse mat. <laughs> Jacobs, we had uh, Johnson, didn't we? Yeah, oh, you just put Johnson, yeah, he'll, he'll come up. But anyway, basically, so we had Powell Huberts and Adebayo Akinpenwa up front. Yeah. yeah. yeah that's yeah. your great team that had finished, what, ninth or tenth in League yeah. One, and we looked like we would... Who remembers how much possession we played in that in that time? We probably didn't have that much because we've we've got two massive lumps up front who are going to keep hold of the ball um, themselves and lay it off to Ryan Gilligan, who's going to come and Mm. smash one in, or Danny Jackman, who's going to, sorry to mention his name, but to come and smash one in, who's going to buzz around them. It felt like it it was direct football, but done well. And it, people don't seem to remember being that angry about it because we were doing quite well with it. And we had, I think it's basically the quality of play that you have to do it with. And that's what we're lacking, I think, at the moment to get to that next level. But I do think it will come um, eventually. Um, and it's a, the, the, you know, we'll go back to the recruitment again. It's not been great over the summer, I have to say. And we've had to muddle through with a couple of players who we thought might be out the door in terms of Harry Smith and Michael Harriman, who we thought he might not come back in again, potentially. Um, but players that have come back in and state the claim and are back in the team again. But I think what the point is, is that. I truly don't think it matters that much how we how much we see the ball because we've got so many times in the past where we have done it and we've done it well. It's just the personnel that might be missing. And, you, you know, you're not going to have people from Wickham complaining or people from you know, the Bolton teams of the past or the Stoke teams of the past that have played that direct football and probably had about 20% possession in games against Arsenal and 1-1 now. Yeah, they're going to come away from the games thinking we've done a good job on them. I think it comes down a lot of it as well. Um and I hope I'm not speaking out of turn here because I class myself as one of these these people. Um, 
the the generation of Cobblers fans that we've got at the moment are, although we are old enough to remember the Colin Coldwood era, not mm-hmm. old enough really to understand and appreciate um, the Ian Atkins era at all, really, because we were tiny. But the Colin Coldwood era, again, we we were, you know, not not much older. I mean, I was just a teenager when that was all starting. So those that are kind of in their their mid-20s and early 20s probably don't even remember what Coldwood did. So for that generation of fans, the only basis of a promotion-winning squad that we've got is is Chris Wilder. And I think that's tricky as well in itself because that's where the expectation lies. And I think that's quite tricky because that was such a high expectation and I think people think it's always a given and it's and it's not. And that's kind of not how League Two... I just want to jump in on that though, Jeffy, because the people that I've seen being most vocal about this situation on social media, they're not the youngsters. They're not the ones that only remember Chris Wilder as being the only promotion side that we've had. They are the people that, you know, we can go back to even pre-Atkins and we're talking about Graham Carr's side. You know, so I mean... I don't think necessarily what you're saying or what your point was there is necessarily true. Look, I, I just want to um, I, I want to give you sort of my my answer to the question I asked you, Jeffy, about whether you enjoy it. And I will be honest and say I don't really know if I do or not. And I mean, what I mean by that is that, of course, I enjoy winning. I enjoy getting a result. But do I really enjoy the performance and the style of play, I, I don't know if I really do. However, the one thing to to sort of caveat that with for me is that I do see it as being a results-driven business and, and therefore I will be happy if we win rather than if we, more so than if we lose. And I am quite willing to forgive a, a scrappy performance or a, a poor performance if we win. You know, I mean, I wouldn't actually say that it was a poor performance against Fleetwood in, in midweek last week. I think it was a good defensive performance and therefore we can and, and we got a goal and that means we won the game. So I applaud that and I am happy with having that as a result in our favour. I'm also happy with the fact that we're currently 16th in the league. I think we're three points outside the uh, the relegation zone as it stands. I'm happy with where we are in the league. I know I would be happy if we finish there at the end of the season. Totally agree. But, you know, and so I see it in in regards to sort of this bigger picture. The bigger picture of it being, as Danny sort of said before, as you've said, Jeffy, that this season is probably all well, not probably, is all about making sure that we are still in League One next season. And that we then have progression. Because I think that's the thing, is that you should have and you should be looking for. And I'm sure that all the staff at the football club think the same way, which is that, yes, you want progression year on year. But they're not necessarily going to say, well, it must be huge progression, i.e. we get promoted last season. And and let's be honest here, if the season had just carried on, would we have even got in the playoffs to have a standard promotion? Maybe not. So... Having the progression that, you know, we go from getting promoted to then being, right, well, then our ambition for next year is to be in the top 10. For me, it's unrealistic. And I look at it and go, right, realistic ambition is to actually say, right, we want to stay up this season. So let's 
let's let's set that as the expectation with our manager. This is what we expect of you to keep us in League One. If you're not going to be, if it looks like you're not going to be keeping us in League One, then we will make a change. But the expectation is that. And let's, I don't know whether they actually do in real life turn around and say, we expect you to finish in X position. But if, if, you know, if that is a case and they say, we expect you to finish 20th or above, if therefore we finish 15th or 16th, then that is overachievement and therefore should be praised as being overachievement. I'm not necessarily saying that by the fans, you know, we set our expectations based on just what we want to happen. And look, as a fan, my ambition is I would love to see the club play as high as they possibly can. And and for me, I, I look at that and go, why can't we play in the Premier League? Blackpool have done it. Why can't we do it? Just once. Be quite happy with that. Let's not have the massive rubbish that happened to Blackpool after it. But it's doable. It is achievable. I would like medium term to actually maybe go and get into, you know, the top 10 and be consistently in the top 10 of League One. That would be my sort of medium ambition, medium term ambition. And then my long term ambition would be to be a championship club. That's that's just me. And that's the way that I look at it. But, But do I enjoy watching the football? I'll be honest, probably not as much as I would do if we were playing you know, Chris Wilder style? Yeah, I think I think comparisons with Wilder as well. I don't remember it being that much in terms of possession-based. I think we just had real quality across that team in terms of like, Ricky had grabbed the ball and just do something out. Now, Nicky Adams told us, didn't he? He said, all we used to do was give the ball to Ricky and say, go for it and mm-hmm. off you go. Um, and we had a clinical finisher in Mark Richards that we haven't got this season. Um, it's, it's things like that. I don't think Wilder was particularly sort of pass and move and you know, pass across the back line and all that. It was just high intensity and in your face and like properly. It was like, like more United teams are. wasn't it? That yeah, was yeah. And obviously, it was more. It was more entertaining and stuff. But I think at the moment we've got to look at it bit by bit, and it's hard to do that sometimes. I know it is because it's like you want everything now. You want success now. But I think just think you've got to just see. I don't think Keith Carroll is going to be the person who takes us out of this league the right way in terms of gets mm-hmm. us into the top six. So. Uh, He's a good manager. I don't think he's going to be the man to take us. He might prove me wrong again. Hope he does. But I think in the medium to long term, I think he's the right person in the job at the right time for for what this club needs at the moment. Um, and it's going to be it's going to be frustrating, but at times. But I think it's just something we just have to live with for a little bit. Just the last word on on possession stats from me is that, like, I couldn't. I couldn't personally give two hoots what the stat says, what the percentage is, because I'm a firm believer of actually it's not about how much of the ball that you have, it's what you do with it. Mm-hmm. You look at, I, and forgive me, I can't remember who put this stat on Twitter, but somebody I saw had put MK have got the highest possession stats in the whole of Europe. Of and yet look where they are <laughs> in ridiculous. League One. They were ridiculous. You know? So, I mean, you can have possession, you can have all the possession that you want, but if it's just being knocked about between your back four, and I will go back to the times of Martin Wilkinson's first game in, what were we in, Division 3, I think, or yeah, it would have been Division 3 at the time, against Torquay. We lost that first game of the season, and all the outstanding memory I have from that game is the ball just being knocked about between the back you know, Paul Reed and whoever was next to him, Ashley Westwood, maybe just giving the Don't ball give to him each the ball. other. 
<laughs> well, you know, but this is pre-injury. It might, it might have even been before Dusty West was time, in fairness. But whoever was partnering Paul Reed in defence, basically, they probably had about 90% of the possession of the entire game between them. Mm. And yet, we lost 1-0 and we didn't do anything. And when we spoke to Martin Smith on, on the podcast earlier in the year, if you've not listened to it, go find There's two episodes of Memory Lane with Martin Smith. He talked about how, essentially, he kept going, well, no one's going to give me the ball. He kept making runs and he wouldn't get the ball. And he was just, well, what's the point in this? If that all that's going to happen is that they're just going to pass it around the back, we're never going to get a chance to score. So it, it for me, I mean, look, this is, this is my possession little cheat sheet that I wrote down here. I will very quickly mention it in the North London derby. Spurs 30%, Arsenal 70%. Spurs won 2-0. Um, what else do we have here? The Wigan game is the closest game. It's the only win this season that we've had at what you would call maybe a decent amount of possession. We're going to have 53% of possession. We had 47. You know, I mean, we we beat Swindon and we had 35% of the, pro, uh, of the possession. So this, in my opinion, is what possession stats can be done with. No. Totally agree. Because <laughs> the only stat that really matters is the is the score. But look, I, I get it, and I get the un, I get the whole thing with you know whether people are enjoying it or not. And as you said, Danny, it is a game of opinions, and some people will be enjoying it, and some people won't be. And and in fact, when I say some people will be enjoying it, I, I'd probably turn around and go, some people are enjoying winning. Yeah, absolutely. When we win, rather than necessarily enjoying watching the football, the question then does come in as to whether or not that you're prepared to and, and you believe you're getting value for money and you're prepared to turn up and watch it. And look, that is an individual decision that everybody's got to make. But I would suggest, like you said, Danny, if you don't like something, don't watch it or don't do it. Somebody somebody used the analogy, I think, of, uh, of if, you, if something, food comes from a restaurant and it's not good enough, you send it back. Well, with football... It's in your blood. Go. Yeah, you can't. And then that's the problem. You can't change it. it. You can't. You can't necessarily tell people to not watch it in some ways because no. it's just part of them. And, you know, I've been playing the tenor a lot of weeks knowing that it's not going to be great football. And people do it just out of habit and stuff. And it's really hard to say, I'm not going to go and watch the Cobblers this week. I'm not going to turn an iPod to watch it because it's part of their routine and it's part of their habits. Um, so, yeah, I just, I just think it, it's, it's just, yeah, possession's just nonsense to me but but to other people it might be all they want from football that's the thing like people are football fans for different reasons um Mm -hmm. and that's that's the beauty of it that that people come at it from completely different ways and they they see these amazing teams at the top of the table doing all this pass and move stuff and they want to have ambitions to be that which is fine but i just think you've got to take it a bit at a time um and hopefully Keith Cole will be the man to take it to take us to that that glorious land when we're top of the league and we're and we're spraying balls around every week. But on that hopefully very, so. very quickly as well, well done to Joey Barton as well for coming out on Tuesday night and saying that we've outplayed him because not many managers say that. Um because not many teams, no, not get many teams outplayed by us. But not outplayed, but you know what? You know, he didn't come out and moan like I expected him to about us just just playing long balls and direct football and stuff. He actually came out and submitted and said we didn't do enough with the ball which is exactly the point we're trying to make yeah okay right um it's a long it's a long long podcast this week but i think that's because we've had a lot to talk about um let's go and have a look in the post bag shall we 
Postman Neil, Postman Neil, Postman Neil, and your letters of distaste and disgust. So first off, just basically um, on the basis of what we've been talking about, uh, Mark Johnson sent us a, well, I say sent us a message. He put a, a post in our Slack channel, which if you'd like to join it, then you just need to go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me. And for as little as two pounds a month, you can sign up to support the making of the podcast and then join the Slack channel. There's also lots of other content that is there on the channel that you'll have access to. Things like Q&As with Nikki Adams, uh, Q&As with Kelvin Thomas, um, and and. We're also doing um, monthly Q&As, and we're going to have a Christmas party this month. Mm. So if you want to join us for that, go and sign up to the Patreon. It will be really, really good. So Mark Johnson popped this message in uh, saying, I'm not the biggest fan of Curl and never have been. Should last season have finished as normal and we'd missed out on the playoffs, I probably would have questioned it if Curl was kept on. However, that didn't happen, and he masterminded a promotion against the odds. With the losses of key players and losing out on key targets in the window, not sure Curl can be blamed for that, he says, you have to say that he's doing a good job still. We're consistently putting points on the board, and the aim of the club is surely to stay in League One, and that's all we have to do. I think we have every chance of that, and we'll have the opportunity to add to slash change the squad in less than a month to hopefully bring in some strengths to the defence. The style of football is obviously the issue, and it can be hard to justify it when we lose. It's easy to just say that we should have played football or keep possession more, but that's just lazy criticism, in my opinion. I personally get an odd satisfaction from taking points playing like that. It's almost a, ha, we beat you even though we play hoofball. But like I say, when it goes wrong, it looks like a bad decision when it probably isn't. Possession is not what it was five to ten years ago when Barcelona, Man City, Spain, etc., etc., would win most games by having 75 to 80% of the ball. Now, if you look at teams like Leicester, Spurs, even Liverpool, they aren't successful by having this level of possession. Clearly, I'm not putting us in that bracket or even in the same book, but the point is that teams who play to their own strengths rather than to ideals are more likely to achieve their goals. I actually really like the point that he's made there about Leicester, Spurs, Liverpool, etc. Um, yes, possession, football for a little while, tiki-taka was like the big thing, wasn't it, in the noughties? But actually now it seems that it's it's kind of, not. I won't say died, but it's not as prominent anymore, is it, Danny? No, I think it's evolving a bit more now, isn't it? You're getting more like marauding wing-backs and centre-backs pushing up the pitch <laughs> and uh, taking the ball on themselves. Like everybody's a footballer these days and, you know, you're getting people can, popping up completely out of position and stuff. So I think it's evolving in something a little bit different. But I like the point he was making about playing to, our, to, to their own strengths. Um, I think that's really important for what we've got. We've just got to use what we've got at the moment. And I do hope in January we can make it a little bit stronger just to push on and make us not actually have a massively panicky, squeaky bum-time relegation battle and just can actually set up for next season a little bit, hopefully. Because we do need a little bit of strength and depth, don't we? 
I think so, definitely. Um, Ros Spokes got in touch. I think some people should be careful what they wish for, she says. They need to remember the managers we have had since Chris Wilder. Keith Curl is doing a decent enough job within a very limited budget in an unprecedented situation. Survival in League One and survival of the club is all I'm hoping for this season. Must admit, though, it's perhaps a bit easier to feel like this from my settee. Watching in the stadium in the cold, I might not quite have been so forgiving. Um, oh Jeffy you were sat there in the cold in the stadium wrapped up warm (laughs) wrapped up warm no I was not warm I was freezing I actually could not feel my feet until I got to Swindon (laughs) I was so cold and I had snow boots on as well look I, I just I've said this several times on the podcast and I've said this all throughout my cobbler supporting life is for me because I don't get to go as often as others, for me, it's about effort and it's about looking at the, a, set, a group of players. And if I genuinely believe that they've put in 100% effort, then I ask no more of them. Obviously, it's really frustrating when you lose. It's really frustrating for me when we lose a match and then I have to drive 175 miles home. You know, I I don't do it for the sake of, you know, walking from St. James up. You know, I do it. I have to drive three hours to get to a football match. So for me, there's a lot at stake if we go up, especially if we go up and it's nil-nil and it's rubbish, or mm. we go up and we lose 4-0. But, but you know, I will happily sit in a stadium, and Sean's the same, we'll happily sit in a stadium and lose 2-1 if we've put absolutely everything into it and there's nothing else we can do. And I And I think that's how we have to look at it because... All along, we've had this argument all evening on this pod, haven't we? That, you know, you, you're not a Northampton Town fan to go and watch good quality football. And if you are, then you're in the wrong place. And we've said that. And I couldn't care less, really, on, on a level of of being sensible about it. I couldn't really care less about the performance in terms of, of what it does, as long as you walk away with the three points. Can I just ask, based on what you've just said there about being a Northampton Town fan, you shouldn't expect you know, whatever it is, free-flowing, attacking football or whatever. Mm-hmm. One of the one of the things that, that, that the um, people that are on social media that disagree with, with that will say is, well, why not? Because you we're know, why shouldn't average we League One that? football team, that's why. We're not Barcelona. <laughs> no, I know that, but, but that just because you're not Barcelona doesn't mean you can't play attractive football. Yeah, but, but let's, let's, let's put it on the other foot, right? Let's play attractive football and get caught out on the break every week and lose so if we played attractive football for the next three games and lost every game would they still be whinging yeah but what is attractive football absolutely what is it because like like I, Fleetwood didn't do anything for me on Tuesday night honestly um, I mean even Doncaster didn't they've got some great little players in there they've you know, they've they got players like Josh, Josh Sims, who's clearly a, a level above um, a couple of players who would be good ball players, but they didn't do a lot for me in terms of entertainment. I mean, obviously. What about, what about Portsmouth? I haven't really seen Portsmouth. I don't think I've watched that game. Oh, okay. Fair enough then. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I, th- I think. <laughs> what about Portsmouth, Charles? Port- what Port- a separate entity, I think, though, Charles, on the basis that we really had a, a dreadful night that night. So we it looked better than it probably was on the basis that we were at absolutely atrocious that evening okay do i dare do i dare mention the other no. team beginning with p no, no they're not allowed to be mentioned it's okay, against the law that's fine that's fine okay look right my argument is i love northampton town and i will go and watch them every weekend and if we lose four nil every weekend i couldn't care less because i love them oh i think you would care 
Yeah, but, but in the in the grand just scheme look, of things, back the next week, you? yeah, you, you, of course you do because you love them. You don't do it because you've got to go and watch football. You do it because it's the day. You do it because you're a Northampton Town fan. We do it because we love them. Okay. Right. Um, as the last thing with the post bag, um, we asked because obviously football fans going back into stadiums for the first time this weekend. It's been really, really great to see from my position, sat on my settee, not with Roz, I hasten to add. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so we asked a few of our Patreon supporters, a few of the members of our Slack channel that did get lucky and get the golden ticket to be able to go to just send us their thoughts and we'll start off with Craig West. It was really good to be back at Sixfields obviously in terms of the match the excitement and the build-up gave way to quite a cold and miserable afternoon but in terms of the arrangements that uh, the club have made to get fans back in they've, they've done a really good job. It felt really safe they were only using the north stand and the west stand so with with the figure doubling to 2000 if they use the south and the east as well it's going to be no more uh, crowded than it was today and you'd got a lot of uh, space around your bubble clear row in front and behind and some seats either side the club need a, a, a lot of credit for the arrangements they've made and it's just a shame that the the result didn't go our way in the match hi charles mike fuller here just thought I'd give you some comments on the um, on the game that I attended yesterday. It was certainly good to be back, although it felt really strange. It was it was a weird atmosphere yesterday. Um, there wasn't too much singing, which I guess is to be expected. I think it's been discouraged. Lots of encouragement for the team. Lots of shouting and screaming during these sort of exciting moments, if you don't mind me calling them those. Everybody was sort of chatting around the stadium, happy to be back and reminiscing on games that we've been to previously. The whole thing, I think, was handled professionally by the club. The stewards were on the ball. They were very friendly. Where there were social distancing issues, um, from what I saw, where sort of tickets and allowances had made people sit closer together, they were handled really professionally and, and moved on and notes were made to try and improve for for future games so overall good experience well done to the club they, they did really well for the first one so it was strange to be back it was good to be back um but yeah yeah all good i'm uh, matt sammons from the cobblers vlogs youtube channel the bit that really hit home for me was when the liquidator started playing before um the teams came out and they were blasting that through the speakers and everybody joined in and sang cobblers and i think just to hear that collective chant um just, yeah, that collective noise, just the roar of, well, I say roar, but just the, you know, the passion and just to hear it, um, that sort of made me feel really emotional. I can't, I can't lie. Um, I didn't, I didn't shed a tear, but I was very close to, I was sort of like, um, yeah, really close. I was just sort of, come on, let's just get this together. And yeah, it was really, really emotional to be back. And when the players come out, just seeing Ricky Holmes there again in the flesh was, was the particular highlight as well. And just seeing all the new guys as well, sort of welcoming them to the club. Keith Curl was clapping with everybody. And it was just a really, really nice experience just to be able to be back there, to hear the sort of collective applause, collective chanting. And it's something that I've really, really missed from my life in the last sort of, you know, what was it now, nine months, something like that. So, yeah, it was a fantastic um, experience to be back and, and the result was secondary for me. To the 2,000 of you that are going to be going to the Lincoln game, enjoy it because, you know, you don't know how long we're going to be able to go back for. So thanks very much to Craig West, Mike Fuller and Matt Summons for uh, that, uh, getting in contact and telling us your thoughts about how it went when you got to Sixfields on Saturday. Um, 
out of the three of us, Jeffrey, you are the one that was there. And I know that you wanted to actually just give your your thoughts and, and basically say thank you to the football club, didn't you? Yeah, they were absolutely brilliant uh, and they deserve a huge amount of credit for the job that they've done. It, it was just so seamless. And I think the overriding feeling for me as a fan that's gone for, for many years that I actually didn't feel any different to what I would have done on inverted commas, a normal match day. Um, For me, the clinical aspect of it, because we're in a pandemic, didn't impact my enjoyment on the game. And I think that's a really important thing to take away. And it's really important to highlight that on the basis of how well the club have handled it. It was so seamless. It was so easy. Um, And generally, there was such a really positive atmosphere around the ground on the basis that everybody knew that the club were doing everything they could. And it was just so refreshingly wonderful to to just go and watch a game of football and just forget about it for a little while. You know, there were things that you had to do. Like, for example, you had a time slot to aim to arrive. When you walked in, you had to have your temperature and do your hands. You had to wear a mask. You had the one-way system and you had to wait to be released as such. But other than that, you just sat and enjoyed a game of football. And I actually feel really sorry and sad for the club that they don't really get a lot of income from from all that effort. And it's just testament to these lower league clubs. And, you know, I'm, I'm biased because I'm a Cobblers fan. And, you know, our club, that they have put in such extraordinary efforts to get fans in. And for nothing, really. They're not going to gain anything from this financially. It's just a dip in the ocean. Things from the club stop shop and things and it's just remarkable really that they were able to do such a brilliant job so I think you're amazing and we are incredibly grateful and I'm sure I speak for everybody that was in those stands in that stadium the other day we're just grateful to watch a game of football and you know it's a thankless task being a steward at times but you know they deserve the credit because they were brilliant. Well said, Jeffy. Thank, Thank you. you very much for that. Um, right, that's it for this week's episode of It's All Cobblers to Me. Thank you very much, as always, for listening. Myself and Danny will be back on Friday with the preview show. Uh, with This week we'll be joined by Russ, a crew Alexandra fan. Um, and if you'd like to hear anything else from us, then why not go and dip into our back catalogue, because there's quite a few episodes out there, um, including the documentary that I made about that amazing win at Liverpool over 10 years ago. Um, as always, thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. Oh, we forgot the club of gum. Come on, town. <laughs> <laughs>